A podcast we'd like you to check out is Cinema Shack. Join Mike and Alex where they discuss important, hard-hitting film topics such as notable background characters in Star Wars, recastings in superhero movies, or the best and worst of movie cliches. You can find Cinema Shack on SoundCloud and YouTube. Just search for Cinema Shack. Cuddy, do you believe there's someone out of the past, someone dead, can enter and take possession of a living being? No. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Late Seating. I am Jason Harding. And I'm Steve Shives. And on this show, Steve and I find a, a movie and we tail it for days on end. No matter how, even where we're getting bored, just following this movie around. What we're trying to find out is, is this movie a classic movie? D- if it is, does it deserve its reputation? Uh, what is it doing over at Fort Point? <laughs> Why is it throwing flowers in the water? Oh, oh, oh no! In. And then we have to make a decision. We have to determine if it's a classic movie, we jump in and save it, or if it doesn't deserve its classic rating, we just let it drown right there underneath the Golden Gate Bridge. That's right. See how I'm, I'm linking the opening to it's, the movie? It's that like doing? the movie. I think it's it's working very well. Yeah. Or sometimes we, we follow a movie around that has a really bad reputation, one that's known for being absolutely awful, and we follow it around, and the same thing happens. It, it throws flowers in the water, and then it jumps in, and then we decide whether we're going to save it. And if we figure, you know what, this movie's actually uh, better than everyone says, we go and we dive in, we save it, we take it back to the car, we take all of its clothes off, we uh, <laughs> put yeah. it in a pet. It, I mean, it, it can get a little creepy. Just a little bit. A little bit. Um, or if it turns out it is a bad movie, we let the sharks and sea lions have it. For people who can't follow the metaphor, uh, Steve and I take a classic film, we give it a fresh review, and we see if it holds up to um, its reputation, whether that reputation is good or bad. And this week, we are going to review that classic suspense thriller, Vertigo. Yeah. Also known as Jimmy Stewart is the worst boyfriend ever. <laughs> also known as Adventures of a Psychotic Person. <laughs> Vertigo is the famous film directed by oh who who did who did do oh was it was it Billy. Hit? No, not Billy Wilder. No, no. That, this would have been a much different movie if Billy Wilder. William Wyler? No. No. Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred, oh, that one. Yeah. Directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Produced by Alfred Hitchcock. Screenplay by Samuel Taylor. Um, Samuel, by the way, was the third person to write this script. It was adapted from uh, Entre Les Mortes by uh, Pierre Bollion and uh, Thomas uh, Narsajek, I think is how you pronounce his name. And um, the first two guys, they were kind of like, okay, here you go. And Hitch was like, I don't like it. <laughs> and so then another guy came in and he wrote it. And they're like, here you go. And he's like, I don't like that either. <laughs> and so then uh, Hitch heard about another writer who knew a lot about San Francisco. And he gave it to him. And that guy was Samuel Taylor. And he rewrote it. I guess because San Francisco was super important. Actually, it's pretty well known that Hitchcock loved the Bay Area. He loved yeah. he loved it up here. He had a ranch up here and everything. 
Um, and it's one so of the best San Francisco movies ever made. I mean, the, 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 it takes, yeah, it makes is. really it's, great it's, use of the location. It's stunning how much how many of the locations I've actually been to, even like regular old street locations. I've actually when I and I when I rewatched this the last time, I was like, hey, I've been there. I don't realize I had been right there. Yeah, there are walking tours of of, of Hitchcock movies in San Francisco of this movie specifically, Vertigo. I don't know why anyone would want to do that. <laughs> I, we, we get a pretty much a walking tour as James Stewart slowly drives all over yeah. the freaking city as it is. And the shame of it is that when he was doing it, he missed most of the city because he was staring at that <laughs> fucking green car the whole time. That Jaguar, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, as I said, it was based on that French book um, starring, it stars, it had stars in it. Mm-hmm. James Stewart, Kim Novak. Barbara Bel Geddes as person he should have married, so none of this fucking shit would have happened. Oh, uh, yeah. Tom Helmore and Henry Jones. Music by Bernard Herman. Good job, Bernard. Oh. I'm, honestly, I'm getting this out early. Way to go. That's iconic music that you can't escape. It's really good music. If you guys don't want to watch the movie, just listen to the music because it's freaking awesome. Uh, cinematography by Robert Burks, edited by George Tomasini. Distributed by Paramount Pictures, it was released on May 9th, 1958. Running time, 128 minutes. It was budgeted at two, uh, about $2.5 million, and the box office was $14 million. So it, it made its money back. And it is now known as an untouchable classic that everyone loves and references, and people just go on and on about Vertigo, don't they, Steve? Yeah, in fact, I think in one of the recent sight and sound polls, it overtook Citizen Kane as the greatest film of all time. Fuck those people. (laughs) Uh, I mean... Wait a minute. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion. You're doing that thing where you give it away early. Don't care. My show, I don't care. (laughs) I don't play by your rules. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention in the writing thing, um, Koppel, who was the second person to write the screenplay, protested to the Screenwriters Guild, and uh, they determined that both writers were entitled to a credit. So he is actually um, credited, even though he didn't. We, well, this is like the second time we've encountered this. Yeah. Or either someone who should have gotten a writer's credit didn't get it, or the person this time, the person who shouldn't get a writer's credit got one. <laughs> What's going on with you, Screenwriters Guild? What's your problem? Sort out your credits. Yeah, jeez Louise. God damn it. Anyway, are you ready, Steve, Let's... to travel back <laughs> to 1950s San Francisco to watch a crazy person... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Act crazy and ignore the people who care about him. Yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Just as note, this movie inspired a lot of other movies. A lot oh, of other movies boy. with plot lines that are just as dippy and stupid. <laughs> just as far-fetched and impossible to believe. You want proof? How about Brian De Palma? When Brian oh, De Palma God. isn't isn't jerking off to the memory of Alfred Hitchcock, he made a movie called Body Double, which is basically this but with porno. Yeah. <laughs> and now everyone everyone just stopped listening to this. They're running Body Double. I gotta find oh, Body cool, Double. Oh, cool porno. Yeah, that one also has a drill death in it, so it was a little bit different. Mm. But the plot is pretty much the same. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
And a lot of people consider this his greatest work. Like this is his, this is this is up there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Do we think that? Let's find out. <laughs> Let's find out. Okay, Steve. Well, the first thing that we have to talk about is you mentioned the the uh, the amazing score by Bernard Herrmann. It also oh, yeah. this movie also has one of the most distinctive and famous main title sequences. Uh, oh yeah, ever. they had a kid to use an etch a sketch. Yeah, and then they put that artwork up. But it was it's the great. first time it was ever done, so it's 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 classic. Um, <laughs> There's a bunch of swirling um, shapes. Yeah, it's that like Spirograph. By... It's <laughs> yeah, it's but, like but they were made with a computer. <laughs> yes, that's hired right. Someone, yeah. So the very first computer special effects were at the par of a kid playing with a Spirograph. But um, yeah. <laughs> Super awesome opening stuff. Yeah, and that and it it it, it uh, complements the score very well because the the score oh, yeah, has that quality of like of falling, you know, of of being of tumbling into a you know uh, like spiraling downward, which is a great yeah. metaphor for the movie in general. Um, which is a great thing for me because I, I as I've told Steve and you guys probably don't know this, I watched this with a hundred and two degree fever, <laughs> and um, I wasn't sure if I was still watching the thing or if I was falling into my. T- Television yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how much of this movie is recollection yeah. or hallucination at this point, much like Jimmy Stewart's character. <laughs> was everything so, supposed to be green, or was that my fever? <laughs> Why did the movie suddenly go dark when they were talking to the historian guy? Yeah, the sun went down all of a sudden, real fast. <laughs> I'm starting to fade. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Hitchcock, we lost the lights. Tell them to keep going. <laughs> I'm not stopping this take. <sighs> so anyway, yeah. um, so we, we, we get through the credits, and then we cut right into the middle of the action, in media res, as film nerds might say, mm-hmm. uh, as there's a chase going on across the rooftops of San Francisco, where yeah. there's a guy running from a policeman, and then right behind the policeman is our hero, played by Jimmy Stewart, Detective John Scotty Ferguson. Or Johnny, or, or Johnny O, John, or John Boy, he, John John, He has Jimmy about 50 John. names. <laughs> There's a there's a scene later where he's like, my friends call me Scotty, and then he could have said, or pretty much anything well, else they just, want. Yeah, he's like, well, my name is Jonathan, but you can call me John, or you can call me Johnny, or you can call me John Boy, or you can call me Scotty. <laughs> or Ferguson, or Fergie, yeah. or really whatever. You can call me, there's a club downtown where I wear a mask and a gimp suit, and they call me Dark Lord Johnny, but that's only for close friends. Where are you going? <laughs> Or you could call you call me George Bailey if you want. <laughs> yeah. But most anyway. people call him Scotty. Most right? people call him Scotty, and they're never explained. Yeah, we're, by the way, no. I, which is I kind of like that. It's like this random thing. Like I well, think they call him Scotty because his last name is Ferguson. Right, it's a Scottish and name, and people are right. racist, and you're Scottish. <laughs> so we're going to call you Scotty. Well, um, I mean. It, Montgomery Scott. That's yeah, that's true. That's but true. I mean, his last name is literally Scott. <laughs> yes, it's a bit easier to to explain in that case. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so they're they're chasing this this criminal on the roof, 
and yeah. they the criminal reaches the end of the roof and he makes a flying leap to the next rooftop and he makes it and then the uh, police officer makes the leap and and he makes it and then yeah, almost he almost, almost looks well, on yeah those, there's because it's those a, terracotta tiles yeah it's top. it's a slanted roof that they're jumping to mm-hmm. and then uh, mm-hmm. Scotty jumps and he doesn't quite make it and he slides no. over the edge and he's hanging on to the gutter. And he looks yeah. down, and then we see the first instance of probably the most famous camera technique to come out of this movie. Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the still in use today. Yeah, the dolly zoom, where the yeah. the the background seems to stretch out uh, yeah. to give the impression of his vertigo like feeling. Like he looks down, and it just seems to go on forever. And the, right. the cop that was in front of him turns around to help him and offers Scotty his hand, but Scotty's too. And then he jumps off the. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're yeah we're meant to think what what's what is meant to have happened well, is that the he, cop is supposed to look like he falls off the roof too but it looks more like he leaps yeah, off the roof yeah he's trying to reach down and help Scotty Scotty's too afraid yeah. to like let go and offer his hand so the what yeah what it looks like is the cop just says the hell with this and jumps off the roof but <laughs> he's like I can't save him uh, <laughs> uh, I failed as a police officer goodbye I w- I won't be the man who killed Jimmy Stewart. And he's replaced by a special effect as he slowly falls down to the yeah, ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we cut to... Yeah, people gather around. And he's hanging by this gutter yeah. for a good long time. And then he's there long enough to see the people gather around <laughs> the body and look up at him. And he's still having his freak uh, out. Can I get some help up here, maybe? <laughs> And then we, we, what happens, Steve? Yeah, we cut to a some time later where he's... Uh, he's Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and also, uh, we never bother to find out how he was rescued, no. who rescued him. If they I mean, caught he, the guy they were chasing? The gutter was breaking? Yeah. There was no one else up there to help him? Did he manage to get back up again? Yeah, but we do find out a few things. We find out as in, in when they cut ahead, and he's in the apartment of uh, his ex-fiancee, Midge, who is, who is now yeah. like his closest friend, and we, we learn uh-huh. through their talk that he was apparently injured. He's He's been wearing like a, a harness, a, a, girdle. a corset. Yeah, a girdle. Yeah. Do, you, do you suppose men, many men wear girdles, Midge? And she's like, no, probably Ash not. Shatner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, pretty, they pretty much all do, but nobody likes to talk about it. Um, yeah. And he, so he was physically injured, and he he had some kind of like he he had he suffers from vertigo now, where he he if he yeah. gets if he gets too high and he looks down, he gets hey, dizzy. Stop, stop, stop! Mention yeah. Midge, or I'm going to get upset. Midge is there, and Midge is awesome. And she's an artist. She's yes, and she's uh, yeah, because she works like in commercial art, but she's also like she's a designing a brazier yeah. when yeah, at this moment a brazier. She's which, smart. Yeah, they've known each other since college. Yes, they were engaged for three whole weeks. They're obviously very close. Yeah, and they hang out a yeah. lot. Mm-hmm. And that's it, though. <laughs> yeah. But she's more interesting than anybody else in this movie. She is a very interesting character, yeah. And it is, it's is—it's one of those where it's like, man, I wonder what Midge is doing. Yeah. Like, why don't you drop in on Midge, Scotty? Let's see Midge, what she's up to. please tell me you're not holding out for this jerk. Please tell me you're dating. Tell me, you, tell me you're a lesbian. I'll accept that. You're living alone in the 1950s, career-minded woman. Yeah, come on, Midge. You're, you're not, because I know you're kind of... Hulk carrying a torch for Scotty. Uh, good old Scotty. The the ladies can't resist him, you know. Yeah. The ladies can't resist him. They, yeah, who who could resist middle aged Jimmy Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> 
Apparently, he's the hottest thing for every 26-year-old blonde girl in the movie I'm world. I'm telling you. Absolutely. Um, so, and during the course of his conversation with Midge, he, he reveals that he, was, he received a call recently from a guy he knew in college uh, who has recently come back into town. And yeah. uh, he heard that Scotty... Gavin Elster. Gavin Elster. And Gavin heard that Scotty had, you know, been hurt and he wanted to uh, call him over. He wanted him to pay him a visit. Yeah. Chit chat, yeah. Whatnot. Just say, hey, come on over and just you know, we'll we'll drink alcohol in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, she's like, "Are you up for it?" And he's like, "Yeah, watch." And he stands up on a little stool and he says, "See, I can get over this." And then they bring over a step ladder and he climbs up onto that and he says, "See, look, I can look up, I can look down." And then he accidentally looks out the window and faints. He faints, <laughs> and she's upset. She's like, "Oh, Johnny." <laughs> Pass all the way out so I can take care of all your clothes. Yeah. <laughs> because apparently so that's no. something people can do. <laughs> yeah, we find that out later, don't we? <laughs> so he goes over to Elster's business. Yeah, his his he, his huge office. Yeah, he, he has a he's a ship he took over his wife's family's company, which is as a shipbuilder yeah. or yeah. Something. And he's like, Hey Johnny, how you hey Scotty, how you doing? Heard all about what happened. He's like, yeah, and he's, and I'm like, hey, guess what? I've got a crazy wife. You what? want you want to follow her around? Well, no, for me? I'm sorry. I take that back. He doesn't think she's crazy. Hey, I got a possessed wife. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's that's how he pitches it to Scotty. His wife is think- possessed by the spirit of her great grandmother. Yeah. Well, we don't know that yet. Well, no, he just, he just yeah. says, "Oh, she acts like another person. She goes away and disappears all the time, and I need someone to follow her around." Not suspicious. Not suspicious. Could you do that, please? Not suspicious. I'm totally not suspicious. And Scotty's like, "No, I'm retired. I retired. I'm, not, I'm a retired police officer." And he's like, "Come on, okay." <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I guess so. <laughs> and he's like, "Look." I'm going to be having dinner with my wife at Ernie's restaurant right before we go to the opera. And if you want to see what she looks like, you can creepily sit at the bar and, and look at her th- askance, side view. You know, just look at her. And maybe you can become instantly spellbound by her. I don't That's know. That's right. Because I know you, Scotty, you're a crazy person. You've always been a crazy person. Okay? <laughs> and he's like, all right. And they go to Ernie's restaurant and he sees her. Um, and he he does. He starts sweating, and yeah. it gets all weird. And and she's pretty, yeah, yeah, right. She's a beautiful uh, Hitchcock type blonde. <laughs> yeah, short hair, blonde. Yeah, that's almost every movie he made in the nineteen fifties. <laughs> Check. <laughs> you think his wife ever went Hitch? Just put the wig on. <laughs> I want to see you with the wig on. No. I'll make another movie. (laughs) It's the only way this is going to happen. Okay, strap in, because now we're going to get to the remaining 95% of this movie. Following. (laughs) Following Madeline. Oh, by the way, that's the wife's name is Madeline. In which he now gets to drive slowly behind Madeline as she, as we find out what a day in Madeline's life is like. Right? Yeah, yeah. And we slowly follow her from her upscale apartment on Knob Hill. Then uh, she parks in the alleyway and goes in and sees a florist. Mm-hmm. And she gets flowers, and then she gets back in her car, and she goes to Mission Dolores. And she visits the grave of someone named Carlotta 
Valdez. Humping. <laughs> Carlotta Valdez. Carlotta Valdez. Carlotta Humping. No, no. And uh, then she goes to the Legion of Honor Museum, and she stares at a painting of... Oh, of Carlotta Valdez? <laughs> yeah, and she happens to be the flowers that she got are the same ones that are exactly like the ones in the painting. Yeah. Right? Yeah, and her hair is done like Carlotta yeah, in the exactly. painting as well. Mm. And uh, Jimmy Stewart goes, excuse me, who's that? What's that painting over there? Of that thing, and he goes, "Oh, here, uh, that's uh, Carlotta Valdez." And he goes, "Oh, would you like a book?" Sure, yeah, and whatever. He gives him a pamphlet, and he's like, "Oh, goody! Wow, that's a th- actually a really thick pamphlet." Did he do that in the fifties, where he just asked for a book and they'd give it to you, no charge? Hey, my 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 taxes subsidize this museum. No, it doesn't. I've been there. You got to pay. You give me whatever I want. <laughs> it's not a public museum. You got used to all the free museums in Washington D.C. Out here, we pay through the nose. Oh yeah. Never, never, <laughs> never, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> and then she goes. Oh, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, go she, she goes to the hotel, right? Next, she goes to the McKittrick Hotel. Yeah. Um, where he he follows. She, he watches her go inside, and he sees her actually upstairs in her room through the window. Mm-hmm. So then he goes inside to ask the the lady at the desk about the woman yeah, who Granny just walked from in. the Warner Brothers cartoons, <laughs> yes. which she's not feeding Tweety Bird. <laughs> <laughs> and and he learns that the woman he just saw walk in, or at least the woman that, that was up in that room, uh, is staying there under the name Carlotta Valdez, but Granny yeah. at the desk says that she hasn't been in lately, even though he just yeah, saw her walk in. And he's like, go upstairs and find out if she's there. She's like, okay, okay, crazy man. And she goes upstairs and he goes, oh, Mr. Detective. Oh, because here's the other thing he does. He 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 shows off his police badge when he's retired. Yeah, as if it's this official police business, but it ain't. Yeah. Nope. And uh, he goes up there and looks around the room and she's not there. And then he looks out the window and what, Steve? Her car is gone. Dun, dun, dun. <gasps> Now, I don't... This is never explained later on in the film. Are we just to assume that he went crazy, or she slipped out the back, or should that be our first clue that there is hinky shit going on? Yeah, I mean, well, because we, I mean, we, we find out later that it's all a sham anyway, so I always figured that maybe just Granny at the desk was in on it. No, I don't think so. Really? Oh, maybe. I don't because how know. Because how else could she get how else could she get in without Granny seeing her? Unless Granny was So you're just making lying. that nice old woman be a duplicitous person that's in on this murder that we find well, out she, she doesn't later ne- on. She doesn't necessarily have to know about the murder, but maybe she's... Watch my cut. <laughs> I'll lie Come for on, you, spill punk. spill it, Elster. Uh, <laughs> my silence is worth millions. I'll lie for you, punk, but it'll cost you. <laughs> Granny don't See lie this for ear I wear around my neck. That was the last guy who tried to jip me out of my money. <laughs> Old lady, jip is not a good term. I don't Shut care. Up. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm old. You want to get the chair, Elster? <laughs> the rules don't apply to me. I'm old. I can say whatever the hell I want. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, we cut back to Midge's apartment. Yeah, right. Yeah, where she's asking about the, the the what he's doing, and he's like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "Oh, well, nothing." <laughs> hey, do you know anybody who knows about the secret history of of San Francisco? <laughs> and she, and of course, like, she yeah, does. I know. <laughs> yeah, I know a guy. Let's go see Pop Weeble. He works at a bookstore, and okay. so uh, 
they go there, and Pop Weeble tells them what, Steve? He tells them the story of Carlotta Valdez, who yeah. was married to a rich man. And mm-hmm. then what happened? Then he, he died, and she yeah. she fell into depression, and eventually and she went... they took her kid away. Yeah, they took her something. child away, and she eventually went mad. And she lived at and the well, place that became the McKittrick, the McKittrick Hotel. Hotel. Yeah, and she was she, <laughs> she was sort of well known at the time as this sort as of tragic figure. This yeah, this tragic figure. Um, yeah, yeah. And then she committed suicide. Yes, she did. Yeah, she did. And in this scene, as the story goes on, the uh, the picture gets darker and darker. And when you have a fever. You start thinking, oh, this is the end. I'm dying. I'm dying watching Vertigo. Oh, my my final moments of consciousness ever. We'll be watching Vertigo. We'll be watching Midge needle needle Scotty in the car afterwards. Oh, great. Oh, good. Yeah. And uh, so they're driving back, and she's like, I need to go see that painting, Midge says. Yeah. And I want to know what you're doing. And he's like, wah, wah, ha, ha, I'm fine. <laughs> and then as soon as she leaves the car, he looks down at the pamphlet, looks up the painting of Carlotta. And what happens, Steve? Oh. Like a crazy person. <laughs> he sees Madeline's face oh, over yes, the painting's yes, face. Yes, he does. Which comes in, which comes into play a bit later when we see what Midge has been up to. Yeah. Yes. So then we meet Gavin again, right? Yeah. And Gavin's like, oh, um, here's something I probably should have told you. Uh, Carlotta is Madeline's great grandma. Mm. And, uh, oh, but Madeline doesn't know any of this. I found out from uh, her From mom. her mother. She told me, yeah, she told me all this. Time. And I decided to keep uh, it from Madeline because she has no right to know about the history yeah, of her own family. she's a woman. Why does she need to know her own his- family history? <laughs> It'll just upset her. Yeah. And, uh, oh, her mom killed herself, too. Uh, don't investigate yeah, any of this. No big. Scotty, it's okay. You don't have to look into anything that I'm saying right now. I mean, I mean I'm sure it would be easy for you to go down to the Hall of Records and find out all this stuff, but don't, don't p- p- promise you won't do it. I wasn't even thinking. <laughs> oh, about it. great. Uh, I'm just going to keep following <laughs> Thanks, your beautiful sucker. life around. I mean, <laughs> I mean Scotty. <laughs> um, oh, and also, I'm afraid she might kill herself. Maybe. I'm afraid she'll kill herself. Oh, and she has some of Carlotta's jewelry, too. And I think that's enough of an info dump. <laughs> Drink? Yes, please. <laughs> yes. So, if we didn't get enough of following Madeline around earlier, we get some more <laughs> We of get it. another whole day of following Madeline around. Uh, and this time, she goes to Fort Point. And this is where my joke at the beginning of the show makes sense. <laughs> she goes off, and she's standing underneath. It's actually a beautiful part of the city. She's standing underneath the Golden Gate Bridge, mm-hmm. and she's uh, taking a, a bouquet of flowers, and she's ripping it up, and she's throwing it in the water. And Scotty's like, oh. And then <laughs> she jumps into the water. Yep. And Scotty panics as if that's immediate death, as if jumping into the water, you die instantly, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we see it's not even that far of a, of a dive. No, it's it's maybe four feet. Yeah, so it's not as if she's clearly committing suicide. Yeah, and so she's in the water now unconscious somehow. Hmm. I don't don't know. She must have belly flopped. He (laughs) knocked the wind out of her. He dives in, grabs her, drags her up to his car, and he's like, Madeline, Madeline. And uh, then we... 
dissolve cut to Scotty's place. Scotty's place. Not, not Madeline's place. Not a hospital. No. <laughs> not not yeah. Not a hospital. Not Gavin Elster's place. Nope. Scotty's no, place. No, he apparently he took her back to his apartment, where he took off all of her clothing, mm-hmm. put her into his bed, <laughs> put her into his bed, covered her up, went and got her car. Yeah. Um, drove it back and parked it in front of his apartment. Uh, hung up all of her clothes to dry, and then sat down uh, with a coffee in front of a roaring fireplace, and thought to himself, "I'm a, I'm a crazy, creepy kind of guy, aren't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, we have no idea what he's been doing, but his obsession with her uh, grows exponentially between that last scene and this yeah, scene. Yeah, if if so, if we, I don't know how long he was alone with her, <laughs> a naked buddy, but it had to have been a while. It's the um. It's if we didn't get a hint of it before, it's it's our first real clue that there's something not quite right with Scotty. <laughs> nope. So, uh, so uh, she talks in her sleep a little bit. He gets a phone call, and he's like, "No, I got her. Stop calling me. Click." <laughs> she wakes up because of the phone call. No, it's Gavin. Gavin calls. Gavin her. calls. Apparently, wanting to know where his wife Where's is. Where's my wife? <laughs> Is she dead? Is she finally she's dead? She's dead, right? Uh, uh, what? No. Uh, uh, I mean... No, she's here. I've, I've got her. Oh, my God. You're a lucky man. Wow. <laughs> Where'd she get that tattoo from? Uh, I'm not, not being per- per- perverted, but I couldn't help but notice her figure as I was stripping her of all of her clothes. Is it okay if I have Midge come over and sketch her while she's unconscious so I can... Wait, I got a camera uh, I won't. I won't. left over from rear, rear window. <laughs> I won't show I'll the just... pictures to anybody, I swear. <laughs> When he, he tells him, no, she's here, she's fine. She wakes up, she realizes she's naked. Um, he gives her a robe to wear, and she comes out. And she's like, so and, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, I don't have any memory about what happened. I don't know what's going on. I'm, oh, I need help, but I'm not going to say it out loud. I don't want coffee. Stop offering it to Just me. Just drink the coffee. <laughs> I made coffee for drink you, now it. you have to drink it. There's things in there that cost a lot of money. I mean, um, what you like a nice cup of coffee? coffee. You are better when you are unconscious. Oh, so much easier when they're not talking back to you. That's not. <laughs> that isn't what's happening. No, it's not. He's it's, just falling in love with her more. It's not that dark. It's just kind of creepy. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's just falling deeper and deeper in love with this woman. Yeah. I guess in his way. <laughs> yeah, in his odd and, way. Uh, <laughs> Oh, when Scotty calls, he's like, oh, hey, um, Carlotta, uh, Madeline is 26 years old. And he's like, great. Awesome. Half my age. Awesome. Yeah. Carlotta died when she was 26. That's when she committed suicide. Whoops. And I was like, uh-oh, SpaghettiOs. <laughs> um, but she uh, gets dressed up. She does her hair back up. She gets redressed, and she leaves. Yeah, she sneaks out. And Yeah, she sneaks out. And uh, Midge, who's stalking Scotty, yeah. <laughs> actually, it just looks like she pulled up. Yeah, she was like, "Oh, I'm going to take a look at Scotty." She sees Midge. She sees Madeline leave the apartment, and she's like, "You fucking oh!" So that's what you've been up to. Way to go, Johnny O. Yeah, you're a great cop. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next day. 
we get more of Scotty following Madeline. Yeah, but this time he follows her back to his own apartment. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, well, that was efficient. Yeah. <laughs> Saves me a lot of time. And she's like, I want to give you this note to say thank you for doing that thing. And um, uh, you were very nice. And he's like, oh, well, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you want to spend a whole lot of time together? Sure. Let's let's just be together all the time. <laughs> and then they go to Muir Woods and they see a bunch of really tall trees. And there's a tree cut in half because that's what humans do. They cut down gigantic living things. <laughs> And then we then we attach uh, explanatory signs to them to tell how yeah. long they were alive before we killed them. Look at, yeah. <laughs> and there's like a timeline where they're counting the rings and she points to it and she says, this is where I was born and this is where I died. And it's not not this century that she's pointing right. to. But she's, she's pointing to Carlotta's and then she has another freak out and he chases after her and she's all, oh, I don't know what's going on. I'm so scared. And then, only because I know this, they drive uh, about a hundred miles from where they are there to where the next scene is. Although in the movie, it's supposed to be right there, but yeah. I know it's Monterey because I've stood right where they're standing. <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me. And she says, "I had a dream <laughs> where there's a bell and a mission and a, a horse." And something, right? Yeah, yeah. She describes all of these very specific details. He's like, "Oh, Scotty, I'm having a, I'm having a freak out. I, I don't know what I'm doing." And she runs off to the ocean like she's gonna throw herself in. And Scotty goes, "No!" and grabs her, and then they kiss. And there's a well-timed crash, yeah. wave crash, just as soon as they do. It's like, <laughs> and it's like, "Oh, God approves of this kiss." Stamp. <laughs> Nothing weird about this. <laughs> uh, and then I guess Scotty goes I'm going to go visit Midge she's in this movie right yeah. and he goes and visits Midge and Midge is like I've taken up my old I'm painting again and he's like oh that's great you want to see what I'm painting and he goes up and sees it and Midge has painted a portrait of Carlotta exactly like the one in the museum except she's put her own face on it uh oh and Scotty's like too far <laughs> too far you know I'm obsessive and kind of crazy, and I don't like having those things pushed in my face. I meant it as a way to maybe you and I could, that I could be... No, that, never! No, <laughs> I'm leaving. I, I, you know what? Me and Madeline are going to have an epic romance, and we're going to be happy forever. I know she's married, I don't care. I haven't really thought it through yet, but Midge, you are one spooky check. That's right. Uh, well, Mitch, actually, no, the spooky chick is the one that I'm kind of dating. The married one who thinks she's another person yeah. and doesn't remember half the time we spend together. That's who I love. Uh. <laughs> you know, the one that's tried to kill herself right in well, front of me. But at least she doesn't put her face on paintings. That's just weird, Mitch. <laughs> Mitch gets upset after he leaves. And uh, she says, stupid, stupid, stupid. She's really upset. More upset than I expected Midge to be, because she's been a pretty cool cucumber up to this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. She's been pretty pretty put together up until well, this point. That's, and that's she gets really just the upset. effect that Jimmy Stewart has on people, you know? I guess, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> then what happens, Steve? Well, then he, doesn't he drive Madeline... 
Madeline the, comes over to his apartment, and then she has another tells him about another. Oh nightmare. yeah, and and he recognizes the place she's describing. Yeah, and oh wait a minute, that sounds like a mission. You know, California has about 85 of them. They're all historically significant landmarks. But I'm going to pick the one that I know you're talking about. And then he tells her to go home and come back. Because I guess she dropped by his house at like 7 in the morning. I have to point this out. The mission that she describes, which I think is uh, San Juan Batista. Yeah, San 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 Juan Juan Batista, Batista, yeah. Is exactly the same as Mission Dolores in San Francisco. It's got a bell tower and a stable and all that other crap. <sighs> okay, so I'm Scotty sorry. obviously knows some more about it than you do because he was able to mm-hmm. pick it out specifically from her from her dream. Yeah, yeah she stopped, and they go there. Yeah, because he he says go home and then come back. So it must be, and he says come back at like noon or something, doesn't he? So it must be like super early in the morning when she drops by his house. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. And they kiss. They, they, do they kiss? I then? think maybe they do. But okay. yeah, yeah. She comes back and they drive out to the mission. Yeah. And uh, she, you know, she recognizes everything. And he's like, yeah. he's pointing things out to her. Like maybe. And he's like, now here's one of the things that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You ready? She says she dreamt of a gray horse. Right? Yeah. The gray horse that she dreamt about is a plastic horse. Yeah. According, well, according to what Scotty discovers you know yeah that well that's yeah, his no, explanation there's a, yeah. gray, there's a plastic gray horse yeah. there yeah, almost be now right. yeah that, you're remembering things from here come on madeline and she's like i know and then they kiss some more in the stable and then they say they love each other and then she says just in case anything should happen to separate us not saying it's going to but just in case uh-huh. I love you, and I always loved you, and just remember that on the off chance that something might happen, say, in yeah. the next couple of minutes. Just in case this is just one huge con for someone to get away with the murder, I'm not saying that's what's happening here, Scotty, but just in case... Hypothetically. Whatever happens, don't go into a clinical case of melancholia. <laughs> And then become a bizarre obsessive. Do you promise? What? Uh, I guess, yeah. <laughs> sure. So she, she runs into the mission. Yeah. And he follows her and, and he sees her running up. He panics almost immediately yeah. for whatever reason. And she goes up into the bell tower and what happens to him? He's tr- He tries to follow her, but he only makes it so far because his vertigo overtakes him when he foolishly looks straight down the stairwell. Yeah. And- Here's an idea. If you have vertigo, uh, close your eyes <laughs> and not look down at things that are way down far Yeah, below. just grab the handrail and climb the stairs with your eyes closed. So now he's paralyzed with a fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what happens? He, he hears a scream and he yeah. looks... To the window that is right next and, to him, and he sees uh-huh. what looks like Madeline tumble past, and she. F- yeah, it could have been Madeline. It could have been a dummy. It could have been a dummy wearing, wearing Madeline's clothes. Yeah, but in fact, it was a dummy wearing Madeline's clothes. But you know, whatever. That's not what we're supposed to think. And yeah, and the, the body falls down like to to the rooftop of the the next level, yeah. I guess, or the building next door, and and yeah. woo, she dead. Yeah, <laughs> does he go to the window and look down? Um, I don't think he does. We see we okay. see the body, but I think he's still like sort of crouching on the stairs, and and yeah. then and then it cuts or it dissolves to the uh, the inquest like sometime later. The the, the hastily put together uh, 
<laughs> court scene. Yeah, the, the here's why he's not in jail scene. <laughs> where the coroner basically goes, she would have been alive if you hadn't been such a weak man. You know that? It's not your fault. I'm not saying it's your fault, but it it's is It's completely fault. your fault. But You are a completely weak man. Gav- uh, Gavin, listen up. It's not really his fault. You did everything you possibly could to keep your wife alive, but you put it in the hands of this weak, pathetic man, this lowly worm of a man. We also learned some weird things about this court scene. Like, uh, after she died, he just uh, walked out of the mission and went home. Yeah. Yeah, he just left. They had to go find him. Well, I'm, my work's done here. Um, I'm going to go look at those photographs and sketches yeah. from when things were golden in our relationship, when she was unconscious. <laughs> and I, I had my pants pulled up to my navel, and I was wearing a, <laughs> my best Mr. Rogers outfit. Yeah. No wonder she couldn't resist me. <laughs> look at all the no muscle on mm. me. I'm, I'm a specimen. <laughs> But basically, the coroner says just that. Um, She died because of suicide. Um, It's not really your fault, but it totally is, uh, Scotty. Gavin, sorry about your wife, dude. And Gavin goes up to Scotty and goes, it wasn't your fault. It was completely mine. Um, I totally pulled the wool over your eyes, and I had a double and it was all it's very complicated it's very complicated scotty don't don't put you any thought you're you're completely guilt-free you're talking out loud <laughs> oh Fuck. shit um i'm really sad that my wife is dead <laughs> goodbye <laughs> i'm dissolving everything in in america and i'm going to europe bye-bye and then and then he goes into a deep, deep clinical depression and winds up in a sanitarium. Yeah, where apparently he spends some time. He's there for a few months. and I, We're assuming. Yeah. Because the doctor who's treating him says, he could be here for six months, a year, whatever. Yeah. He, this was coming no matter what. It wasn't going to take a blonde woman. He's, re- <laughs> he's openly admitted to hallucinating openly all the time. And uh, did he tell you about the time that he had a naked woman in his apartment that was unconscious? No. Well, um, there was read that. The notes. <laughs> Look, he's because uh, Mitch is he's pretty Midge cuckoo. comes to visit him. Yeah, Midge is the only person that seems to visit him, and she's really upset. She's really upset. She 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 wants him to get better. I don't. I Midge. There are other guys. Midge, look at me. I'm not even born yet. <laughs> but you're a catch, Midge. You don't stop throwing yourself in front of this crazy person. <laughs> I'd be good to you, Midge. <laughs> I'd be so good. I mean, I'd encourage you. I would hold you. Oh, Midge, we could be partners. <laughs> partners, Midge. Why do you want this old man? <laughs> There's no way you two went to college together. Yeah. <laughs> but after this scene where we're basically like, oh, we're ending the movie here where he's in a lunatic asylum. <laughs> well, that was weird. And we hard cut to him in front of Madeline's old apartment. Yeah. Yes, sometime later. <laughs> uh, yeah, undisclosed amount of time later, and he keeps seeing her everywhere. He mistakes this old lady in front of the apartment yeah. who bought Madeline's car for her for a second. Yeah, well, he, he retraces, like, the places he followed her to. He goes to the museum, he goes to the... He goes to Ernie's. Yeah, and he thinks he sees her in all these places, but... It's... Everywhere. And then finally, he's outside of the flower shop, and he sees this woman walking by mm. with a bunch of other girls, and he's like, okay. Close enough. Scotty, if, 
Scotty, it's time for you to accept who you are. You're an obsessive. And I want that. I can I can change her into something. And he starts following this woman around. Because she has a passing resemblance to Madeline, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, he, and he follows her like a creep all the way down the sidewalk. And... Well, he follows her like he followed, uh, <laughs> yeah. like he followed Madeline around. Except on foot this time. Yeah. yeah, and he follows her all the way back to her apartment, and then he knocks on the door, and he's like, Hey, who are you? And she's like, My name's Judy, and I'm from Kansas. And he's like, Oh, okay. And she's like, You really love that girl, didn't you? Yeah, I sure did. You're kind of creepy. Yeah, I know. You want to go to dinner? (laughs) How about in an hour we go to dinner? I could tell you how much in love I was with this other woman who's dead now. Okay. Sound good? Great. (laughs) And so he leaves, and I think Hitchcock went, okay, if we don't put this in here now... Scotty just goes completely bonkers on the audience, so we gotta put something in here to take the edge off. Otherwise, people are watching Jimmy Stewart slowly come apart for the rest of the movie. <laughs> and what happens? Well, we see. Uh, well, Judy has like a, a flashback where, kind where, of, yeah, we have a flashback <laughs> where yeah. it's revealed that Judy is actually the person that that. Uh, Scotty knew as Madeline. Yeah, she starts writing a letter to Scotty, yeah. right? Yeah, because she she she's thinking about leaving. She's going to pack her stuff mm-hmm. and just leave in the hour yeah. between you know now and when he comes to pick her up for dinner. And it turns yeah. out that she was playing the role of Madeline, and that what looks like happened was uh, Gavin hired her to pretend to be his wife for Scotty, so that yeah. then uh, he could murder his wife and throw his wife out the window. Yeah, of the of the tower at the mission, and Scotty would think that Madeline had died, and yeah. it would be like the perfect it's a murder. Cunning, cunning plan. Yeah. If you think about it. Oh wait, no. If you think about it, it is one of the most ridiculous things I have ever heard in my entire it's life, little... and I can't believe it's in a fucking movie. It's a little convoluted. Let's let's there break are a this few down, holes in shall it. we? We have Gavin, who's like, I want to kill my wife. How can I do it? Hmm. I know. I'll. I'll. I'll get somebody to follow a duplicate of my wife around and tell him a story that my wife's going crazy. And then, at the most opportune time, I'll switch places and they'll think that my wife committed suicide and and she'll be dead because I'm the one that murdered her and that'll be that, right? Excuse me, sir, couldn't you just kill her and bury her body in the woods and... There would be a search, of course, but no one would suspect you because you're an upstanding industrialist. Shut up! (laughs) This is much better. Now, who can I get? What's this? Here's the paper, sir. Oh. Hey, it's my old friend, Scotty. Oh, he's he's got a debilitating mental illness. (laughs) I'll bring him in on this thing. I wonder how I can use that to my advantage. I can lure him up to a bell tower. Everything falls into place, Benson Mum. Yes, sir. But what if he follows her all the way up to the top, sir? He won't because he's got vitiligo. (laughs) Vertigo, sir. But uh, what if he goes back downstairs after she leaps and he notices that it's not the right person? (laughs) That'll never happen. Ever. He'll leave straight home. 
He'll go straight home. He won't investigate jack shit. Nor will he go see the body after it's dead. He won't want to see... Nor will we ever put a picture of my wife in the obituaries (laughs) of the newspaper because he'll go into a catastonic state. Oh, did I mention that it depends on him falling in love with the double? What? (laughs) What if he doesn't fall in love with her, Zara? What if he respects your marriage to her as one of his oldest friends? (laughs) <laughs> respect I don't have that for anybody why would he <laughs> so other than that it's an airtight plot <laughs> it's an airtight plot <laughs> oh my god so yeah she writes all that down and then she she crinkles up the yeah, notes she decides she's just gonna play this thing out play see how it, see, yeah. where, see where it goes <laughs> See how far down um, <laughs> Jimmy Stewart's crazy yeah. train goes. She, she says, I'm going to play a game. I'm going to see how far I'll debase myself and subvert my own self-esteem. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah so they go to dinner, right? Yeah. They go, to, they go to Ernie's. Yeah, the same restaurant where he saw Madeline the first time. Yeah. 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 And... Um, this is when Scotty starts to become a little crazy. Yeah. He really, as if he hasn't been over the deep end already. Now he's really out there. Yeah, because he's like, hey, I want you to wear a gray suit. Well, I don't like these things. I don't care. <laughs> I want you to wear and the- what does it matter to you? You're getting me, see? If you get me, then you should be able to do anything you want. She's like, I don't want to. Come on, do Just it. Wear the damn crying. suit. <laughs> Put the fucking suit on. Do it. Aren't I a catch? This isn't a mistake. <laughs> How could you, a beautiful 20 something woman in San Francisco, ha- hope to do any better than me? Exactly. And then he uh, puts, makes her change her hair. Yeah. And she she dyes it, and then that's not she, even enough for him because he makes her go no, into the like, bathroom put and put it up in the same style. <laughs> and uh, she agrees to do it. She says, "If I do this thing, will will that be enough? Will that be enough? Can we be together?" And he's like, "I don't. I'm not saying nope. anything. <laughs> do it. You go in there and do your hair, and I'm pulling my pants down. <laughs> then you lay on the bed naked." <laughs> And pretend to be unconscious, you understand? <laughs> I need this. So she goes into the bathroom, she does her hair up, she comes out, she's glowing green like some kind of alien from another planet. <laughs> but this uh, is supposed to be this uh, shot where um, Scotty's obsession is finally realized and there she stands and she looks exactly like Madeline yeah. because she, <laughs> she is, is exactly Madeline but he yeah. hasn't caught on to that yet but she looks exactly like her and they kiss and uh, he hallucinates yeah. completely <laughs> this time where he pictures himself he's back at the stable yeah. you know those those great happy days back at the stable where and obviously upset Madeline is being forced to relieve, relive things that she doesn't want shortly before her tragic suicide. Those happy halcyon days. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and then they decide, hey, let's go out and get something to eat. Yeah, now after that, it's like they're just a couple. 
Like the, yeah, she's she's getting ready, now, and Scotty's like, "So where would you like to go, dear?" You know, it's like they're just yeah. boyfriend and girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> You're overlooking the fact that I've you've just forced me to change everything about myself. So, what? What? <laughs> where do you want to go eat? I said. <laughs> where do you want to go eat, Madeline? That's not my Shut name. Up. I don't care. <laughs> you're you're, you're ruining it. You want some coffee? I don't like coffee. Drink the coffee. Drink the goddamn. Why don't any of these women want to drink my coffee? <laughs> uh, but while she's getting ready to go, she puts on a necklace. Yeah, and it's a... Oh, shit. We forgot something. What did we forgot? Jimmy Stewart's animated hallucinations. <gasps> oh, right, yes. He has... Uh... He has a, a, a vivid nightmare. <laughs> a very yeah. vivid nightmare With, about flowers turning into a cartoon. Yeah, and his... What else? His, and the necklace? His disembodied head traveling down his a disemb- tunnel. That's the scariest thing and ever, his, a giant disembodied head. Yeah. I'm late for the trial of Zod. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to vote guilty. Oh, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it, oh my God. and then he, and we see these just amazing facial expressions from Jimmy Stewart, like, oh, I mean, yeah. he's acting the shit out of it, just, you know. Oh, yeah, he is. Yeah. He probably doesn't understand what's no, going on, it, or maybe he doesn't. His direction was just, look confused, look scared. <laughs> <laughs> and then he wakes up and he's like, yeah. and he's all sweating. Yeah. So we missed that part. But that was cool. We forg- so that happened. Yeah. But th- but this keys into what happens because she's wearing a necklace. Yeah. That is the same necklace that Carlotta was Uh-oh. wearing. And Jimmy Stewart is like, wait a minute. Yeah. You, you, you made one mistake, Judy. <laughs> Judy, you, you got involved with me. You should have slammed the door in my You should have put two in my gut and <laughs> let me die in the hallway. Would have been better for everybody. But yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't let on right no, away. No, no. He's like, "Hey, are you hungry?" And she's like, "I'm starving." Good. Let's go. I know a nice place a hundred miles away. <laughs> <laughs> and in the car, she's kind of like, "Well, we're going somewhere, aren't we?" And he's like, "Yeah, you're not hungry, are you?" <laughs> wow. I, I just said I was. <laughs> kind of really hungry now. Can we stop anywhere? Never. No. And where is he taking her? He's taking her all the way back to the mission. Or the one where the Madeline commits suicide. Yeah, as uh as he as he says to her, not ominously at all, we're going <laughs> going back into the past. That's, that's what you want to hear your creepy boyfriend say. <laughs> I wanted him to drive up to a cardboard box that's a time machine. Get in it. We're going back in time. Get in. Get in it. And then he kicks it off a cliff. <laughs> Goodbye, Madeline. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> and he gets there, and she's having a freak yeah, out. Yeah, because now she's finally figured out, oh, shit. That he's that he's figured yeah, he, out. Or he's batshit he, crazy. He's either figured it out, or he's completely gone off his rocker, and she's doomed. He's like, I finally got you in the clothes, and now I can kill you again. <laughs> it was so much fun the first time. So, uh... He drags her back into the mission... Yeah, the, all the while saying, "I know what the I I figured out what's happening. I know what what happened. I know that that wasn't you. That wasn't you that jumped off. That was um, the real Madeline, yeah. who was probably dead already." And Gavin threw her off the bell tower, and she's she's like, "Oh, but uh, but 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 but," <laughs> and he looks down, and his vertigo's gone. Yeah, 
all about because uh, two people said it would take a traumatic shock for him to to get rid of his vertigo. Yeah, right? and I guess this counts. <laughs> yeah, and it's like we're going all the way up to the top, so they get all the way up to the top of the bell tower, and she, you know, admits that that was the plan the whole time, but there was one thing that I didn't count on, and that's I really, really, I really. I really, really love your crazy, crazy, crazy brain. I don't... <laughs> I don't know why. No why. <laughs> but I fell in love with you, Scotty. And she's, and she's like, I fell in love with you, Maddie. And the name's not Maddie. It's Judy. Judy. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, it matters to her because she's such a doormat. Yeah. Let's face facts. She got talked into... <laughs> She got talked into helping murder a woman by literally a guy coming up to her, or I guess she was his mistress. I right? think, yeah. And he was like, "Hey, I got a plan. You pretend to be my wife while a guy follows around you, follows behind you, and then he'll fall in love with you, and then you'll lead him, <laughs> you'll lead him to a, a mission, right? What?" Yeah, you'll meet him to lead him to a mission where you'll go up the bell tower and then he won't be able to go up and then we'll do the body switch. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan, I'll, right? I'll chuck my I dead wife out the window. <laughs> what happens if he thinks it's the wrong bell tower? Well, then we're... I don't know. You'll have to figure it hey, out. Hey, look, who's planning this caper? <laughs> but uh, then they they kiss again. Right? Yeah, and... They both say they love each they other. And they all lived happily ever after. And then a spooky nun... <laughs> Who's been hiding in the corner this whole time, I guess. Or was she coming up the stairs? I don't she care. She comes out of she the just, shadows. She's... She comes out of the shadows and she's like, "Who? who's there? Who is this? Madeline has a freak out. Um, moves off screen and screams. And right? that's, yeah, and that's all she wrote. She that, oh, she screams and I just she thought falls, she moved off. She falls out of the out of the oh, window. That's right. She falls out of the bell tower. It would have been nice to see her actually fall, yeah, you know, instead of just kind of move to the left of the camera and then scream. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> and then uh, Jimmy Stewart goes out onto the balcony. He looks down and he sees uh, Judy down there. She's dead. Oh boy. And the nun's like, "Oh my!" and starts ringing the bell, the church bell. And he's just standing there. The, the end. end. <laughs> the end. Good job, Kevin. <laughs> you did it. Your crazy freaking plan works. <laughs> what happens after this scene? They lock. They lock up um, uh, uh, Scotty for life because this is the second woman dressed exactly like the first woman. <laughs> Yeah, Scotty's gonna have a hard time talking his way Scotty's out of this one. Completely bonkers. Yeah, no, he's gonna have an impact. He can't. No, that is, if he doesn't go into another catatonic oh, state yeah. where he's not saying anything at all. I'm just assuming that's what happened. He doesn't walk. He goes back to his apartment, or you know, <laughs> like he did the first. Maybe time. this is another traumatic shock, and he's got vertigo again. Uh, there was a there was an additional scene that was ad, that was filmed trying to wrap all this up which makes even less oh is that where they established that gavin was on the run run. yeah he was implicated in his wife's murder yeah and then uh, scotty shows up at midge's apartment and she pours him a drink and then they look out the window and they drink and that's the end of the movie yeah 
which is kind of like, um, okay, <laughs> I guess he doesn't go to jail and he doesn't have another psychotic episode and Midge and him just sit there staring blankly out the window and Midge is like, I got to murder this guy because <laughs> like, he's, he's never leaving and he's, he doesn't want me. I didn't. But that isn't considered canon. Yeah. That was that was added to, I guess, to appease European audiences because mm-hmm. they were kind of like, "Wait, uh, wait a minute! <laughs> what about just telling me that the crazy industrialist gets away with this?" No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> At least have Jimmy Stewart throw himself off the bell tower. <laughs> that makes please, sense, right? Please. We love that in France. Everyone do there. it, do it, do it. He jump off. And then Midge come up and go, Scotty, where are you? And then he sees him dead. And so that she jumps off the bell tower and then did not hang him herself with the bell rope. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's a French movie right and there. And then Gavin commits suicide. <laughs> no, that's not Europe. That's not a French. And then no? Gavin is hunted for the rest of oh. his long life with all of his money. And he fuck a prostitute. And smoke a thin cigarette. But inside his soul, she is dead. That's there oh. you go. <laughs> the, the end. end. <laughs> dun dun dun. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Have a nice trip home, everybody. People who came <laughs> to the theater to see Vertigo. <laughs> what kind of conversations in 1960 were going on? On the drive home between married couples. <laughs> Enjoy your uncomfortable silence in the car on the way home. You know, I don't agree with what he did, but that Gavin had a solid plan. <laughs> what? Nothing. <laughs> nothing, nothing. <sighs> okay, Steve. Yes, sir. What do you think of the Alfred Hitchcock classic, Vertigo? Um. Well, I I think it is a classic. I do. I, uh, I think it's a great film. Um, but it's difficult... To tell um, whether the things I think are great about it are are really there or are just things that uh-huh. I have things that I have read That's into it. That's the whole point of this podcast, dude. And because there, when you here's the thing about Vertigo, and I think this is one of the reasons why it is so it is rated so highly in, in critics' polls and why it, it is often thought of not just in critics' polls, but held up as as one of the crowning achievements of Hitchcock's oh, it's, work. It's yeah, it's considered. Uh, widely is one of the great films ever made, and and I mm-hmm. think one of, there are two main reasons. One is that it's visually stunning; it's an, a visually stunning movie. There are so many striking shots. Um, yeah, yeah. And you know, some of them are the effect shots, like the vertigo pull or the uh, the, the the dream sequence that we touched on, or the the. Yeah, but he didn't direct that. That was that was given to someone. No, else. yeah, Hitchcock himself didn't didn't do that but but yeah. you know the film is known for being just a, a visually stunning film and mm-hmm. and it is just endlessly fascinating to talk about because there's there's so much there or at least there's so much there there's so many questions and issues that the movie raises that you can talk about the problem is it's difficult to tell how much of that is intended to be there by Hitchcock is Hitchcock's, you know, message that he wants to put across through his art and how much... Or if it's just critics masturbating to their own... Yeah, exactly. Um, Because, yeah, you could... As as a, a movie critic, I mean, you could dive into this movie and not come up for air 
you know, for weeks. I mean, there's so yeah. much here. There's the 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 uh, the Greek tragedy element of it, where you know Scotty experiences the death of Madeline, and then when he finds Judy, he sees this second mm-hmm. chance to put things right, but he ends up causing the exact same thing to happen to her. You know, there's mm-hmm. the way that women are used by men. How you know Scotty's complete overtaking of Judy's life. He completely disregards her individuality and her agency and mm-hmm. forces her to be the person but he wants see, her to be. Uh, here's, here's the deal with that. That would have been, and I'm, I'm sorry no, to go interject, for but that would have been stronger if we had not known. Oh, if we had, yeah, if, if we, we had, had not known, known he, what he does is the reason why her confession falls right there where we find out, Oh, she's duplicitous. She's part of this is that it legitimizes Scotty's abuse later on it, that it, it takes the sting out of it. If we had not known that and Scotty just went right into, Hey, I'm going to control this woman and I'm going to, I'm going to change everything about her. That really speaks negatively to Scotty's character. And, um, I think would make a larger point if her, con- her written confession didn't fall right there in the middle of the film. Yeah. And well, not in the middle, but you know, you know, right at the beginning of that that relationship between him and Judy. And I think you were right when when we got to that point in in the summary. The the reason why it happens then is because otherwise we risk losing Scotty as a likable protagonist. You know, it, mm-hmm. because he really goes overboard into the obsession after that point. And if I think the other reason is is that at that if we didn't have her flashback at the end when she admits to everything, she has capitulated to every single demand that this guy has had up to that point, and she could just be capitulating to what he is saying. Right. There is no verification as to and to me, just me personally, that's a more interesting moment. Yeah, it's more ambiguous. And you'd always be yeah. left wondering what well, yeah, was she was she really just going along with what he thought or was that actually the truth? Um, exactly. Yeah, and but so yeah, it's it's a fascinating movie, and I it's you know t- technically superb. The acting is fantastic. It does it it brings up some incredibly interesting themes, but of course it's it's up for debate how many of those themes are present by the intention of the artist, and how many are there because they raise these questions in our minds, you know, and and we, yeah. we feel compelled to talk about them, you know. Mm-hmm. Is it my Go turn now? Go for it, man. Go ahead, shit all over the movie. Tell everybody how much you hate it. Uh, I'll, I'll start with this. <laughs> <clears throat> I will acknowledge its importance in film history. I will acknowledge that it is beautifully shot. You'd be hard-pressed to not find a Hitchcock film that isn't well shot. Um, do I think it's Hitchcock's greatest film? No. And the thing is, I think... The first time I watched it, I was engaged and I and I appreciated the film. But after that first time, I never felt the need to watch it again. Mm. Because it's one of those films where if you think about it too much, it falls apart. The motivations of the... For me, the story is, is... The narrative is what's my primary goal when I watch a film. I love the narrative. Visual stuff and all that other stuff, that's, that's, that's icing. That's, that's bonus. The overall story is what really interests me, and this this story has a lot of a lot of just following Madeline around, <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> and 
it has a lot of, well, he's a police detective. How come he's not investigating anything? How come he's just getting fed all of this information from other people without verifying what's being told to him by other people? He just basically buys whatever anyone tells him. Scotty, Scotty believes outright. And the only way to explain it away is that either he's really bad at his job or he is cra a crazy person. But he doesn't act like a crazy person when he's not with Madeline. He acts like a relatively normal person who's reacting to things. In the opening thing, uh, Gavin goes, do you believe that a human being can be possessed by a ghost? And and Scotty's like, uh, what? No. Fuck and it's an immediate no. He's like, no. Yeah. You're insane. But by the end of it, he's kind of buying into it. Now, that's an interesting story arc, but I don't... The problem I have, the reason why I like Midge is because Midge is an understandable character. Okay, she. You may not agree with all of her life decisions, <laughs> but you can understand what she's going through. But Scotty, Madeline is completely fabricated, and then when we find out she's Judy, the interesting bit, the the interesting part of her character as to why she would do this, and why in the hell would she fall in love with this guy after what two or three days of being together? And why she'd be willing, I, I don't know if it's because she feels guilt over the murder of what's-her-face, over the, the murder of the real Madeline, or she feels badly because of the way this guy was treated, and he, she's willing, this is like her penance, but she fights it really hard. She fights it super hard. And I just find the writing is kind of, I, wa I don't want to say the writing is lazy, but the writing really doesn't the character motivations aren't solid enough. Why does why does he fall in love with Madeline so hard and so quickly? Other than it's a movie. <laughs> That's what happens yeah. in movies. Guys just fall in love as soon as they see them. And what is he in love with? Madeline is a blank slate. She's not much of a character other than, I'm tormented. What makes her desirable other than she's fucking gorgeous? <laughs> and... <laughs> and she's damaged. Yeah. You know, it's that she's going through this stuff. Why is he in love with her? Why, what? Midge is funny. Why <laughs> is Midge and beautiful and talented? But no, he's not interested in her. He's interested. In, I want to know why. And maybe it's my complaint because I, I'm more used to writing that would actually take those things into consideration now. And this is an older film where people just fall in love with a drop of a fucking hat. And and they're, they, they develop these bizarre obsessions. And the other thing is, I cannot think of the murder plot without going insane because it is the stupidest thing in the world. And it's not the first time he's done these weird plots that hinge on a whole bunch of shit that may or may not happen. And there are lots of other movies that, that have that in there, and I complain about those movies, too. So don't give me that. So while I, while I appreciate the beauty of the film... I appreciate the way it's shot. I really appreciate the fact that it was written with a knowledge of San Francisco. There is not a false note about San Francisco other than, well, <laughs> other than the running from Muir Woods all the way down to Monterey <laughs> within a matter of seconds. Um, <laughs> but Ernie's was a real restaurant. All of those locations, you can find all of that stuff in San Francisco. I appreciate that. I just wish more care was taken into who these people are, why they're this way. Um especially Scotty because he's the guy who we're following and I could not relate to him in any way shape or form I could not I could not find my in to be able to be with 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 the Jimmy Stewart character yeah he's I mean aside from the fact that he's doing a whole lot of obsessive weirdo shit towards the end um 
I would get it more if his love with Madeline was stronger. If there was some kind of meaningful dialogue explained. And I and here's the other thing I'm going to bring up. He's what fifty? Yeah, she's twenty six. Fifty two. Yeah. She's twenty six. It it's a little creepy. I I don't mean to say if you're if you're a fifty two year old and you fall in love with a twenty six year old, awesome. But the age difference between the two of them is striking. And and the fact that he he wields so much authority over her, the power the power balance in their relationship is completely on his side. So yeah, yeah exactly. the age difference becomes sort of like. But you know that was this yeah. that was also the times that was when it was made, which uh, again it, which is why I'm surprised by Mid, the Midge character. Because this is a person that's living on their own. They have their own job. They have their own occupation. She does what she wants to do. You know, there's no indication when they have that marriage talk. She implies, "Hey, why didn't we get married or whatever?" But he doesn't go, "Hey, how come you're not married to anybody? What's wrong with you?" Right. He doesn't cast judgment on her lifestyle or anything like that. When she says she's going back to painting, he's very encouraging about that. That's a very progressive female very character much. for the for the time, which is maybe why I'm more attracted to that character than Madeline, the rich woman who don't work <laughs> that just drives around all day long. <laughs> you know, I think. Um, I, I mean, I agree with a lot of what you what you just said. The the romance, especially Scotty falling so hard in love with Madeline, and really, I mean, Madeline or Judy falling in love with him as well. I mean, it, it does it does feel like a contrivance, and uh, a lot of Scotty's character does it, it. He doesn't seem like a character that is designed to be related to you know because there's so little no. there, and I think maybe that's one reason why so many critics who who love this film have attached so firmly to the themes that they identify in it because if you look at it in terms of its plot and its characterization and you and you try not to read too much into it there really mm-hmm. isn't that much there you know it's it's mm-hmm. a it's a beautiful looking film that doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to care that much about its characters you know no. um, and doesn't seem to have been that interested in the plot that motivates these characters yeah. so but then again you think if you're a film minded person you think yeah but alfred hitchcock made this movie there's got to be something else going on here what else is going on yeah and then and I, then you think okay well maybe if scotty himself isn't that deep of a character what could he represent and then you start getting into mm. the theories and the themes um, and again yeah, and that's and, when you pull down your academic pants and start jerking off the and movie. those and, and, and this is a movie that again like you can sustain those kinds of, of academic film nerd masturbation sessions forever yeah. and I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a highly rated film because I mean even if even if you go in saying you know this might all be bullshit I might just be reading all of this into it you can you can mm-hmm. still go on and, and discuss this movie forever because there is so much there that that even if it's not intended to be there by Hitchcock, it raises those issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, does it? Well, for, well, for me sure? it does. I mean, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if okay. it intends to, but I but it but it does. I, I you know what I can see. I, I I've read some criticism in regards to this about the, the the use of metaphor, the use of lighting, what what the character is going through. Some people, uh, but the thing is. Virgo's like the Bible. Okay? You can interpret it however yes. you want to interpret Absolutely. it. And if you can interpret this movie any way you want to interpret it, that means either all of those interpretations are valid or all of them are invalid. And I don't like dissecting a movie on on psychological terms that way because it defeats the purpose of a film for me, which is to inform, to clearly inform, and to entertain. Yeah. 
And this movie didn't entertain me. It frustrated me in a number of ways. Um, and it didn't inform me in regards to the characters or if there were stronger... If he was trying to make a very, very strong statement about something, then fucking do that. Do it. Don't fuck <laughs> around and say, oh, well, maybe they'll interpret it this way. No, fuck you. Put it in the goddamn movie. If you're trying to make a statement, just make it. No one's going to... You're fucking Alfred Hitchcock. You can do whatever you want. I, I, I liken this to the Wizard of Oz effect, and I'll have to explain this. In the 1960s, lots of people liked taking popular culture and trying to give those things bigger meanings. The Wizard of Oz was a children's story written by Frank Albaum. That was it. That was his intended. That's what he said out loud. That that's all it is. It's just I wanted to write story American stories for American kids because all of our stories are from Europe. So I want to I want to make one. I'm going to write one just for American kids. But in the 1960s, a bunch of academics went, no, no, no. You see, it's about the gold standard and the silver standard, and it's about uh, uh, popular, you know. And the Tin Man represents the industrialized, and it was all horse shit. It was just people just making shit up. Because they, 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 they wanted to take the things that they felt were important and they wanted to stick it on to The Wizard of Oz. And I think this movie got that treatment, too. I think enough people went there and they, they watched the movie and they said, well, it's kind of bland and it goes on all along and there's lots of following things. Well, maybe, maybe had, have you ever noticed that every time he follows her, she turns right and then she turns left? What does that mean? It means that she turned right and then she turned left. No, it's got to have a deeper meaning. Maybe it maybe it indicates that following someone is filled with twisting and turning things and, and that means that the larger male structure of our society is impeding down on, on a female allegory which is fighting back through the psyche. Shut up! Stop <laughs> it! It's just a movie about a crazy man! <laughs> and while I'm not going to say all of that is invalid, you can take away anything you want. It doesn't work for me. When I watch a movie, I've got to be able to get it with what the person is trying to say. And there are people who have thrown in metaphors at me all the time, and I pick up on them, and I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But this one, it just... It really does feel like people are trying to make it more important and more deep than it actually is. Yeah. Which is a doomed romance story with a murder subplot. Because that's what it feels like. It feels like a doomed romance story with a murder subplot. And anything else that anyone else is bringing to it, it just feels kind of like... If you like it, just say you like it. Don't You don't have to make up stuff. It's okay. <laughs> just because I didn't particularly like it, and I don't think I'm going to watch the movie again, because I've seen it, what, three... I think I've seen it three or four yeah. times. Um, but if you like it, just say you like it. And if you think there are deeper things in there, put it in there. But don't try to build up this movie. I'm not going to deny that it's a classic. It is a classic. But it doesn't mean I have to fucking like it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you on this. And it, I think this it's the main reason why Vertigo, I would not say, is my favorite Hitchcock movie. Uh, not no. even, yeah, not even close. I, mean, I, I think I, from what we've been discussing, I think I liked it more than you did. But I, I, I wouldn't mm -hmm. call it like my favorite Hitchcock movie. And the reason is that even though I find it endlessly fascinating, um, yeah. I don't have a really strong emotional 
uh, response to it. No, I don't really. When 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 Scotty discovers the deception, and then when Judy dies at the end, I don't really feel anything. Um, well, it's also dis. It's also the way it's shot. Yeah. Like I said, she just kind of moves off screen, and there's a and screen. Yeah. Scream, and, and then she's, she's dead, dead, and then the movie's I, over. <laughs> like, like literally, <laughs> she she screams. The nun goes, "Oh no!" Scotty looks down. Oh and the dear. Um, so the so because I lack that emotional connection to it, I I do feel sort of removed from it. I feel like, and I, I I guess I kind of feel the same way about it that I feel about a couple of the other films we've talked about, where I have a great admiration for it, but I I don't have a real love for it. There's no um, real emotional connection that you have with any of the with any of yeah, the characters. Yeah, and I think I, I compare it to what I do think is my favorite Hitchcock film, which I think I've recommended on a past episode of ours, uh, Notorious. Notorious, yeah, with yeah. Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman and Claude. See, because that's the thing, Hitchcock. Hitchcock has made films where we get actively engaged. Oh, with the, the, the ending of Notorious. I feel for everybody in that movie. I feel for all three main characters. There's a scene at the end mm-hmm. of Notorious where one of the one of the three main characters. It's suggested very strongly that that character is being sent off to his death, that he's going to yeah. die. And spoilers. And I'm not saying who <laughs> or why or for what, but anyway. Um, but yeah, and and I, that really works for me. Like I feel that. I think, oh, I kind of liked him. You know, like I feel, I made emotional mm-hmm. connection, whether it was because of the actor or because of the role or whatever. I had a real emotional connection to that character, and I'm I'm invested yeah. in his fate. And I don't really feel mm-hmm. that about any of the characters in Vertigo. So I would so yeah. I would definitely agree with you there. And I need that. I need that yeah. for me to be able to enjoy the film. And I can't imagine, I mean, if I was, if I felt a connection or if I understood Scotty and I felt like I had been on a journey with him, when Judy dies and he is, he is fucked up at the end of this (laughs) movie. Okay. When he's standing on that ledge, he's like, oh, good. He gumdrops. My vertigo's gone, but my, my brain is checked out. I'm completely, (laughs) and he looks completely insane. I'm surprised he doesn't spin around and kill that nun and go on a kill crazy rampage. Let's start the sequel right now. But if I felt connected to that character in any way, that ending should have just hit me right in the gut, and it didn't. It didn't, and then it just ends. It's like he goes out onto the ledge, the end. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Steve... Mm -hmm. Would you recommend or not recommend Vertigo? Oh, I would recommend it. I, I would no. recommend. <laughs> you son of a bitch! I would. I would. I would recommend it. I do think. Um, I look whether it's intentional or not. I do think it's one of the most fascinating films of you know that you'll probably see. Uh, whether it's just a matter of interpretation or people reading too much into it or not. I mean, it, 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 mm. it really feels like it invites that kind of speculation and that kind of conversation. And it, to me, when I watch it, I do think, even though I, I, as I just said, I lack that real emotional connection to the characters because it is so well-made. And I mean, a lot of the credit has to go to the score, to Bernard Herrmann's music. There's some, there's something very mm-hmm. gripping about it. I feel very pulled along by it. Um, so I, I do, I legitimately think it's a great film. And I, if, if anybody hasn't seen it, I would recommend it. But I do not, I will depart from the critical consensus this far and say I don't think it's the best Hitchcock film. But I do think it's a, it's a, no. it's a movie worth seeing. 
Um, I'm going to give a recommendation to see it if you are a cinephile and you want a full appreciation of the history of film. I think if you like Hitchcock, you should probably see it. Um, I think that... Uh, but I, I'm, I'm going to say you may not enjoy it. You may find it tedious. You may find it really mm-hmm. long in a, a few places. That's one of the other things is that on a second or third viewing... Him following her around is just like, oh my god. <laughs> Even the first viewing, I remember going, are we really doing this? Is this a real time? Are we really following Jimmy, her Jimmy, to do everything she's doing? Jimmy Stewart refused to learn his lines, so they had to pad the running time with just a lot of driving. <laughs> I mean, I'm surprised we didn't have a shot of her going into the restroom, and he's just outside <laughs> waiting for her to Reading come a out. paper, glancing oh, up. Oh, look, she's... She, Bought a hot dog, ate it on the street, you know. Um, but is it one of my favorites? Nope. <laughs> um, if someone asks me, hey, what do you think of Vertigo? Just uh, rewind this podcast a little bit and you'll see what I mean. Uh, I don't I don't like it. <laughs> no, no, sir, I don't like it. I know I, I know a lot of people who, who pour over this film and they find meaning and metaphor. There's, there's a theory out there that the whole film is like uh, hanging at Owl Creek. Yeah, where it's, which I think uh, is bullshit. Where, by the way, I don't, I don't oh, think, yeah, there's, I don't, I don't see the support for that in the movie. I know some people say they do, but um, I don't get that. For th- people who don't know, now Hanging at Owl Creek is a short story where an entire story takes place, but it's all in the mind of a person that is about to be hung, and then they get hung, and that's the end of the story. Spoilers for Hanging at oh, Owl Creek. Oh damn! They made a movie about it, and but everything. in the, but the theory is is that he's all of this story takes place in Scotty's mind as he's hanging. From the, uh, from the, uh, the gutter, uh, gutter at the very beginning. And all of this is just in his head. Why he would think this before he (laughs) plummeted. But that's the type of speculation that I'm talking about is that people are willing to take, take the the plot and the imagery and all the stuff in the movie to, to its extreme. Now, if you guys go see it and you love it, great. It's awesome. Way to go. Lots of people did. Um, I just I can't get into it, and if I if I lack that that connection with the characters, and I find the story stupid, and I find the plot idiotic, and I just it's I can't, no that's a, no, those are some I'm good, not, no I take it back <laughs> those are some good pull quotes for the poster by the way plot <laughs> idiotic movie stupid what's wrong with you Hitchcock <laughs> you, would it kill you to cast a brunette in a movie once. As the main female lead. Well, he did, and then he turned her back into a blonde. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I'll recommend it for people to watch at least once and make up your own minds. But uh, I, I fully intend to never watch this movie again. And and not feel... Unless someone comes up with, we found Hitchcock's notes and this is what he said about Vertigo, I may actually go back and watch it and go, oh, okay. But... As it stands right now, I think way too much attention has been paid to this movie when there are infinitely better films that literally said what they wanted to say, not like hitting you over the head with it, but at least let you know what was going was going on. Or movies that were actually made to be open for speculation, movies that wanted you to debate what was going on afterwards. Which leads us to <laughs> recommendations. Yes. Steve, is there a movie... Mm-hmm that you would like to recommend that hopefully mm-hmm. is related to the film we just reviewed? <laughs> Unlike last oh, time? La- you remember last time, Last right? time was very closely related. Thematically. 
to the film we reviewed. <laughs> I don't know why the Jungle Book and Grizzly Man aren't playing on a double <laughs> bill everywhere be. across the Especially country. the new version. They should play the new version of the Jungle Book with Grizzly Man and a double <laughs> bill. Kids would love it. I think they should take the Bill Murray bear from the Jungle Book and they should put him into Grizzly oh, Man. <laughs> okay, somebody listening to this podcast... Do that mashup, please. Somebody make that mashup. Take the take the bear from yeah. the Jungle Book and take the bear from uh, Revenant. <laughs> stick him in that movie. <sighs> okay, okay, Steve. Yes, I'm ready. My, uh, Here we go. My my recommendation is another film that deals with uh, the danger that can crop up when one becomes too involved in his own obsession. Uh, it's a film. Also about a man, actually a couple of men who become obsessed with uh, a young woman for their for their very very different reasons, um, and it is a French Dutch film from 1988 called The Vanishing. Oh, and The Vanishing! It was remade as an American movie. The American movie is garbage. <laughs> Don't watch the American movie. <laughs> watch Steve. Really? The watch the original. Watch the original. The vanishing. Yeah. It, okay. It's it, it's a little depressing. The 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 ending is a little <laughs> bleak, but it's but it. <laughs> I'm sorry. Should I be recommending happy movies? No, I no, love this. This a, is awesome. A, look, it's a it 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 is a fascinating <sighs> movie. It is a really good movie, and. It is it's, really yeah, good. It's not. It's it's not like an, a Saturday afternoon popcorn movie. It's a little. It's a, it's no, a little it's, dark. Um, you're not going to turn it on, and sit your no, kids in front of it to keep them busy for a couple no, hours. No, don't do that. Not unless you want the darkness to enter their eyes not for unless, the rest of their lives. Not unless you want uh, CPS to come knocking when your kids' teachers overhear them talking about it at school. Uh, you, you know, your kids aren't supposed to have a 300 mile stare, right? <laughs> Um, but it is it is it is a story about a a woman who goes who is abducted and her her lovers search to find her and Sandra Bullock uh, well, in right? the American version it's Sandra Bullock yeah yeah I'm just yeah. kneeling you and, and yeah the, and uh, and he he eventually becomes involved with the guy who may or may not have abducted her and it's just a really fascinating study in uh, obsession and you know, uh, not being able to let go of the past and wanting to control people and wanting to change your destiny and all of these really deep themes that some people think are present in vertigo. (laughs) Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so anyway, that is my recommendation. The vanishing it's, uh, about an hour and a half and it is mostly in French some of it's in Dutch mm-hmm. and uh, it's just a really, really great movie. So if you enjoyed Vertigo or if you didn't enjoy Vertigo, but you would like to watch a movie that has, <laughs> that deals with similar themes to Vertigo, I recommend The Vanishing, the original. Yeah. Um, this movie is, I think we did a review on it We way back when we didn't have the fucked up rules that we Ooh. have now. Um, and it's also about a guy with crazy brain who also has a mental disorder that prevents him from being able to do stuff. It's also a thriller. It's also about a dude who gets tricked into murder, except that this movie is called Memento. Ah, nice. <laughs> uh, came out in 2001. Did we do a I review I believe on we did do Memento, yeah. A long yeah, time ago. It might have been the second or third one we did when we were doing it back in yeah, the old format. Uh, when we were yeah. on YouTube, yeah. Um, directed and written by Christopher Nolan, based on a story by his brother. 
and it stars uh, Guy Pierce, Carrie Ann Moss, and uh, Joey Pants. <laughs> and um, basically, all of my complaints about Vertigo are not present in this <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not seen Memento, it is about a man who who believes or does have a mental condition in which uh, his memory resets after 15 minutes. He cannot remember anything longer than, fit, say, 15 to 20 minutes, which kind of leaves him in a perpetual state of limbo where he can't uh, remember things. And the movie is told backwards, which helps the audience get into this character's mindset. And it is very well written. It has a lot of characters. They, I, and you keep having to remind yourself that they're telling, telling this story backwards, but it manages to tell a cohesive story backwards. And I mean, I just re, re, recently rewatched it, and I forgot just how well that story is told, and how engaged I get with the Guy Pierce character, who you would think you would not be able to connect with because he's obviously traumatized. He's obviously kind of disjointed, but the way they tell his story, you really kind of get involved. You, you're kind of rooting for this guy. And then by the end, um, stuff happens. I don't want to give it away if you haven't seen it. Um, but the other thing is, is that this is a movie, when I saw it with other people, we were actively engaged in a discussion about the film itself for a really long time yeah. because Nolan doesn't outright say he leaves clues but he doesn't outright spell out everything and he leaves enough clues there that I happen to have my own theory about it which I think is right but I'm, I have other friends who have theories about the film and they believe it's right so if you haven't seen it please go see it Memento it's a good thriller it's main color there's a lot of nice people <laughs> in it I'm not that big of a fan of Carrie Ann Moss but she's okay in this <laughs> And I and I think I like just about everything with Joey Pants. Do he, I? Well, he he was in the yeah. original. Well, except the yeah. Matrix films, <laughs> and he was in Daredevil, the the Daredevil movie. <clears throat> I never oh, saw. Oh, it. bless you! You've made your life so much easier. <laughs> see, I pay attention to reviews. <laughs> Gee, everybody thinks this is terrible. I don't think I'm going to see this. Uh-huh. I briefly thought, oh yeah, maybe I'll see it. Here, I'll take a look at this clip on YouTube. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't want two hours of that. <laughs> okay, that's it. Are you guys angry with me? Because um, I didn't like Vertigo. Is is Steve now your favorite? I, I like other things, too. I can be hoity-toits. I can, I can be lofty and, 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 and come with bullshit metaphors for a movie <laughs> that was made by an old man who was obsessed with blonde girls. I can do that. <sighs> But if you didn't agree with me, that's fine. If you do agree with me, that's fine. If you agree with Steve, awesome. If you're like, no, I'm on Jason's side. Fuck that Steve guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Virgo. <laughs> Nobody would ever say those sorts of things about me. <laughs> Crawl is my movie. <laughs> if it's not Crawl, it's shit. Fuck Vertigo. We, 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 um... Invite you all, all the opinions, please. <laughs> Send them to us. Go to the Let Me Listen podcast website. Leave us a message. Tell us that we're full of shit. Tell us that we're full of uh, the gold. <laughs> the gold. <laughs> <laughs> you are full of the gold, my friends. And if you have suggestions for other movies that you think might make me upset or angry, or or <laughs> or, or pit us against each please. other. 
<laughs> yeah, go to the contact page. Leave, <laughs> leave them there and let us know. We get we get plenty of suggestions. We love getting them, and sometimes we actually use them. Every once Thanks, in a Steve. while. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, until next time, this has been Jason Harding. And Steve Shives. And go see a movie this week. J- Jason, what is it? Where, where do you go? What takes you away? <laughs> well, this creepy director guy takes me into a back room <laughs> and tells me, I know that I've cast a different blonde woman in every movie that I've made the last ten years, but I, he promised me that I'll be in more than one of these, and I believe him. I believe yeah. him. The, the hair is not quite right. Oh, God, no! It's supposed, it's supposed to be up. I want to buy you a gray suit. If I do this, will you shut up? No! It'll only get worse. <laughs> I'll drink this coffee! <laughs> no, no, nothing you do will ever be good enough for me. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. This show is a listener-supported podcast. If you would like to contribute as little as $1 a month to help fund this podcast, please visit our website at www.lemmelistenpodcast.com and click on the Patreon logo. If you can't, or just don't want to, no biggie. Late Seating is a Lemmy Listen podcast production featuring Steve Shives and Jason Harding. Music by Kevin McLeod. Produced by Jason Harding. You can find more Let Me Listen podcasts at our website at www.lemmelistenpodcasts.com. You can also find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes under Let Me Listen. Please like and leave a review. And thanks for listening.